0: Welcome to Crosscast,
1: a program where we discuss a wide range of topics. Could be politics, could be religion, or it
0: could be absolutely anything imaginable, or it could be anything unimaginable. But whatever we do, we seek to glorify Christ our Lord. I'm Philip, and I'm Adam. Thank you for joining us today. So, Once again, welcome to CrossCast. Hello everybody, let me welcome you back to episode 9, and this is also part 3 of our Bible Prophecy kind of mini-series that we're doing now. Could turn into a major series. Could turn into a major series. We thought we were going to get this into four episodes, and we're realizing it's going to take a couple more. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. There is so much to talk about, and it's not that we're trying to fill up episodes. It's that we don't want to deprive content from the information that we're giving. We don't want to cut back, and, oh, we just won't talk about that. So we do want to talk about everything that we can talk about. What we thought was going to be one episode was talking about the seven seals from last week plus the seven trumpets we're going to talk about tonight plus a little more. We thought we were going to get all that in last week, and we only got the seven seals, and that was it. And so a third of last week's episode became tonight's episode, and now we're realizing the other third from last week's episode is going to be the next episode, and this is going to be grander than we thought it would be. With that said, we're going to dive right in. Quick update, just because we do like to do that. Everything here is going smooth. We haven't really made any major updates in the studio this week. We haven't made too many plans as far as future episodes or anything. Mostly right now we're trying to do these episodes justice and make sure that this Bible prophecy thing is as full as we can get it, that we not jump over too much. And so we're really kind of in the same place we left off last week, but it's a good place. We're not just being stagnant. We're being progressive, but in a local, you know, a centered location So we're just going to kind of stand around in this one spot for a little bit until we get this right with this Bible prophecy. But it is very, very fascinating. Um, We do know where we're going at the end of this. We do have plans to progress after this. So we're not just going to dance around here hoping we find something. We do have other plans in the works, but at the time we're not adding to them. We're trying to get this right right now. As always, I have Phil here with me. Yes, it's good to be here. And I am going to again play interviewer and we're going to keep this model that we've established where I am going to interview Phil. I'm going to read and feed him the scripture, and he is going to reply. I'm going to try. We're going to do this. you ready for this? Hopefully. Okay, so last week we talked about seven seals, seven judgments, and the lamb opening the scroll, the lamb being the only one capable to open the scroll, and what happens with each seal as it's opened. So now following that, we have the seven trumpets. So I'm going to pick up reading. This is in Revelation chapter 8, starting at verse 6. And the last thing we talked about was at the start of chapter eight, you have the seventh seal is opened and there's thunder and there's lightning and earthquakes. And there's a great silence in heaven for half an hour. And that's where we left off. And so immediately following that, we pick up here at verse six. Now these seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up
1: and all green grass was burned up. So this is the first trumpet judgment of the seven trumpet series of judgments from God. And I wanted to also remind that the book of Revelation is fairly chronologic in order, fairly sequential. There are some judgments that may overlap, and specifically the seventh seals and the seven trumpets, they appear to be more sequential. Now, whenever we move forward later to the bowls, there is discussion whether or not these judgments are overlapping or are they running congruent. And what I mean by that is, is if you've ever seen a movie, you're really only seeing one frame at a time and they stream the frames together so that it appears to the human brain that it looks like it's in motion. And what I'm getting at is someone who does a movie cannot film or depict two separate locations simultaneously in the movie. So what you'll see is a scene, and once that scene is played out, then you'll have some cut to another scene, and then it'll be some subtitle underneath it saying, Meanwhile, over in this place this was going on, and whenever we look at some of these judgments, speaking of the 21 judgments, we have the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls. In my opinion, it appears that the seven trumpets that come after the seven seals, that those would be sequential, but when we look at the bowls a little later, and that's not going to be tonight, but it's going to be later in another episode, those may overlap some of these judgments, perhaps. It's, there's a little bit of discussion or debate about that. Okay. So with that said, here, we're moving sequentially to now the first trumpet judgment. And so let's not forget what has already transpired with the previous seven seals. We already have the four horsemen of the apocalypse is what we like to call them, right? We already had a fourth of mankind dying. We saw a lot of judgment already in the way of war, in the way of famine and pestilences. Uh, We have the Antichrist on the scene doing his business and so there's a lot of other things that we've already read through. I'm not going to go back through all the judgments, but now we're moving forward. And I don't want us to forget, as you're moving through the trumpet judgments, these calamities on the earth are compounding and they're getting worse and they're getting worse and they're getting worse. You're still dealing with the effects of a fourth of all mankind has been killed. I think it's one of the biggest ones of the previous sets of judgments. The seal right. of judgments was the fourth of mankind. That's a big one, uh, not to overlook the other ones. So we see this first one here, and it says, And hell and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Now, I believe that this would probably be depicting some sort of celestial body, such as a comet or an asteroid, a meteor that enters Earth's atmosphere, and you have some sort of meteorite impact or an asteroid impact or a comet or something, whenever you look at celestial bodies moving through space, something moving through the asteroid belt, they have light. Some of them are glowing because there's heat with them, and then also there's ice at the same time in these celestial bodies because you have gases, you have solids, uh, you can have maybe uh, liquids right there between where heat may be melting some ice crystals or what have you, but nonetheless, whenever it enters into the earth and it impacts the earth, it's going to create devastation, obviously, to the vegetation, and I don't think we need to look past this because vegetation on the earth is very key to life, whether you're mainly speaking of oxygen production for humans to breathe air, so carbon dioxide builds up in the planet, trees convert carbon dioxide back to oxygen that's number 1 and they also filter the air as well secondly it's food it's food directly for eating vegetables and fruits and nuts and different type of roots and it's also very beneficial for medicines so we consume these plants the vegetation in order to sustain life whether it's nutritional food or it's some sort of medicine to help us with illnesses so this is being impacted greatly and then furthermore, it also feeds our meat. So right. cattle, pigs, any type of livestock, chickens, whatever you may be eating that is an animal, it typically is eaten some sort of vegetation product, hay, corn, different types of granular feed and things of that nature. So you could start seeing a dominoing of a die-off and to agricultural livestock, to farms, and then to our atmosphere And so a third, in my mind, when I read this, a third means a third. Some people say, well, I've heard some people discuss that this means that it was localized to an area, and in this area on the planet, a third of that area was impacted, not the whole globe. And to me, this seems very global in nature to me, especially coming off the previous set of seven seals. This appears very global in nature. So that's my take on this, and of course a third of all the trees and the green grass was burned up. That's huge. Well, and it's also big because if you
0: consume only protein, especially lean protein, you can actually succumb to protein poisoning. That's correct. You can't just, oh, we'll just eat animals and the heck with the
1: green that you know, needs the sun or whatever. Vegetables, not to get off on a dietary discussion here, but vegetables are very key to the human body. And the way that humans are designed, we're more designed as plant eaters than we are as meat eaters. We're Yes, we're omnivores, meaning that we eat both meat and vegetables. But humans do better with plants in our diet versus meat. And like I said, I don't want to get into a dietary discussion, but whenever you take away vegetables from the human body the body begins to have malnourishment, begins to have problems in the digestive tract, which then our digestive tract is very key to the body's immune system. So whenever we look at these judgments, these judgments have a rippling effect, an echoing effect of what will happen at the end. It's not just, oh well, we don't have trees, and we don't have any grass, but life goes on. No, the vegetation and the trees are key to life. Okay. I'm not trying to be some sort of super environmentalist and saying that You know, we can't cut a single blade of grass or harm a single tree on the planet. What I am saying is, is when you remove a third of all vegetation from the planet, that is hugely impactive. It's a major cataclysmic domino that goes down, which then produces a whole lot of other dominoes falling and then impacting humans on the planet. Right. I don't want to dwarf this judgment and its impact on the people on the planet. Okay, so then in verse 8, it's, The second
0: angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died,
1: and a third of the ships were destroyed. This is an interesting one. Again, I think, and again, I keep saying I think, but I think, this is going to be another impact in the ocean of some sort of celestial body and again a meteorite asteroid some sort of impact which causes a couple of things number one it appears that it may have caused some sort of very large tsunami and there's statistics and i don't know how accurate they are but i've heard people talk like this that a third of all the ships in the world are in port while the other two-thirds are at sea And whenever you have a tsunami occur on the sea, the ships that are out sailing around in the midst of the ocean typically don't even recognize that a tsunami was even upon them because the depth of the ocean, it absorbs the energy, if you will, for that moment. It's not until the waters become shallow where that energy is delivered into more of a vaulting thrust upward of a wave, which then impacts the shore. The ports, the harbors, the bays, the different locations on the planet where ships are lightering or they're waiting to go into port or they're offloading cargo at sea or they're offloading oil at sea with like super tankers and lightering tankers. So there's debate here about what that could be, but it is interesting that it says a third of the ships and we also have a repeat from the previous judgment that we just read about a third, but here we have these ships were destroyed and then... Also, the living creatures, they died. My speculation could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be some sort of impact that creates some sort of radioactive impact on living creatures in the sea. You could have some sort of rippling effect of decay. You start killing off the smaller entities like plankton and algae, and then it runs right on up the food chain. If You start with the smallest food, and then it impacts all the way up to the largest predator fish. So again, impact on the sea and international commerce and global economy will be impacted by this event because ships are so important to the exchange of goods and world commerce, which would also compound on the heels of the rider on the black horse with the scales economy was already hit there in one of the first judgments that we saw in the seal judgments. So again, this will impact the world economic system. Furthermore, we just had an event where a third of the vegetation was burned up. And then now we have an event where a third of the fish in the sea are being killed or destroyed. And so more impact on the food supply for the world's people to eat. Again, these judgments are just compounding upon compounding and it's very impactful Rippling effect, a lot of devastation. You can see how quickly the food, the water, safety, just these general things of sustenance for a human are going to become such a hot commodity that you're going to need these things more and more and more as things get tougher. And it'll be a system of supply and demand. Which reinforces
0: what we were saying about the mark of the beast. Yeah. Becoming necessity. Necessity.
1: If you don't have an abundant food supply for the world to eat, then food prices will go up and there's going to be a shortage because, number one, there's going to be a panic buying taking place. Right. And then that will also cause the price to go up. So if you don't have as much money as the neighbor and there's not any food to even buy when you do find it, you can see how quickly this can get out of hand to a point of unrest, civil unrest, looking for food to eat. And like you just mentioned, this plays right into the hand of the mark of the beast that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 13. I want to back up what you were saying about you see it as it could be
0: a celestial body or a meteorite that hits the planet because the way he wrote the description, because this is John back 2000 years ago. And so he has probably never seen a meteorite land. You and I have seen it on video. One hit Russia a couple years ago. I think one hit somewhere else over in the Asia continent. And what we see is it's just a flash of light. They're small. Now, if you had a very large one that would not burn up in the atmosphere, it would look like what he writes here. It would look like something like a mountain burning with fire.
1: Yeah, if you go online and you look at the comet that left a trail of debris behind it that impacted Jupiter, okay, and there was 21 large impacts. I don't know if you want to call them a meteorite or asteroids, very large, that impacted Jupiter. There was 21 of them, and I want to say it was around the year 2010. I cannot remember, but there's video of it, and you can see them online, and you can do some studies and research on how large these celestial bodies were right. that were impacting the, the surface of Jupiter. And if we ever sustained hits like that, it would be like a global killer.
0: Yeah, because I forgot the dimensions. Jupiter is how much larger than Earth? Jupiter is 121 times bigger than Earth. So it can handle an impact 121 times what we can handle.
1: Right, and Jupiter also has 317 times the mass of Earth, which speaks to its gravitational pull. Right. It can handle much larger impacts on the planet. Not to say that we can live on Jupiter, because we cannot, but I'm just saying whenever you view these impacts on Jupiter— just recognize that Jupiter is 121 times larger than Earth. And if you were to shrink Jupiter down to the size of Earth and then view those impacts, they'd be a lot more substantial. Right. And they have some asteroids
0: that are larger than our moon. And if you hit the Earth with the moon, it's game over. So there's some serious size out there for God to do his judgment with. And so then moving on in verse 10, it says, The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died
1: from the water because it had been made bitter. The word Wormwood is a very interesting word. It's where we also get the word Chernobyl which we can all remember the great nuclear disaster where the reactor got out of hand and the radiation escaped the facility, ultimately ending up in the water table. Men and women and children over in that area drank of the water table and then began to die of cancer. And it's still a disaster zone to this day over there. So I would quickly connect in my brain as I'm reading this something that's going to impact the earth again and this time heavy heavy radiation poisoning to the water table where it impacts people's health whenever they consume the water that's why a lot of people discuss why it's important to have things like geiger counters or sustenance to guard the thyroid gland whether it's nuclear war or some sort of radiation from an event like this it's going to happen we read about it we don't know when it's going to happen People want to assume that they're not going to be here for the tribulation period. I say people, but Christians assume that they're going to be taken out with the rapture, that they're not going to be here for this event because this is going to happen during the tribulation period. But the point is, is that we do see how there will be an impact of radiation, which then in turn affects the water table. So again, just in this series of judgments, we're now up to judgment number three, we have an impact on the vegetation, a third of it is burned up trees and grass we also have an impact on the sea life a third of sea life was destroyed along with a third of the ships at sea or in port however you want to look at it was destroyed so commerce and then now we're having an impact on our water and it's a third of water so what type of crisis will this bring to the globe in the way of humanitarian need in the way of economic impact in a way of human health just everything on a global scale. We think about wars in the past. We think about great disasters in the past, whether it's an earthquake, a tsunami, some sort of hurricane, some sort of typhoon, an outbreak of tornadoes. Uh, We think about blizzards or avalanches. And a lot of these are very localized. Some of them can have a sweeping impact, large hurricanes or a large tsunami. But this, I believe... Is speaking of a third of the globe. And we have never seen anything like this. And again, Jesus Christ said that this was going to be a period like no other in the way of how terrible it will be to live on the planet during these days.
0: And also, it says the rivers and the springs of water. That's fresh water. That's not oceans. That's not salt water. Fresh water makes up, correct me if I'm wrong, it's something like 1% to 3% of the water
1: on the planet. I have heard that before, uh, but we do know that the water table, when it says springs, it's referring to something coming up from the earth. And again, where we get our water, where we drink, Right. those who have water wells on their property, on their land or what have you, they know exactly what this is driving at. Whenever you drill a well, you pay thousands of dollars to have a well drilled on your land. And you're hoping that you find the water table, if it's more of an exploratory type drill, and you're hoping that the water is that you can drink it, that it's not contaminated with some sort of contaminants. It could be sulfur. It could be some sort of arsenic. There's different things, different metals in the earth that can contaminate waters. But here, it's a judgment on the water, which mankind, of course, cannot live that long without water. This is very impactful. Water and food, you can quickly see how the very basics of life are going to become an extreme commodity.
0: And what's left will be controlled
1: by somebody. Yes, right. the Antichrist is what you're driving out here, but that's correct. Well, if he's sitting on top of the pile at the time, then yeah.
0: Okay, so then we're going to pick up in verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night." Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets
1: that the three angels are about to blow. So again, we have a ramping up of impact on the planet. These things are compounding. First of all, I think it's very clear that it's difficult to have a third of the actual sun or a third of the stars or a third of the moon to be impacted with judgment. But instead, the way that I see this, and this is my own personal interpretation, is that John is looking from the point of view of standing on the earth or from a human point of view on this planet. And as you look up into the atmosphere and you look out towards the celestial existence, so... The sun moves across the sky. The moon moves across the sky. The stars move across the sky. Basically, the light or the view that we have to see the sun, to see the moon, to see the stars will have some sort of visual interference or block where you cannot see a third of the horizon from the planet. Does this mean that it's going to be global in a sense that a third of the planet, you cannot see anything In heaven, not when I say heaven, but in space, the second heaven is what I was saying. But the heavens. Yeah, the heavens. So it would be in a third of the planet, you will not be able to see the sun, the moon, and the stars, whereas the other two-thirds of the planet, everything is as normal. That's a thought. Or it could be anywhere in the planet, a third of the sky is darkened by... Something in the atmosphere that's prohibiting light from coming in from space. If you've ever been around a volcano, if you've ever been around some sort of -of out-of-control wildfires, or you've been around some sort of dust storm, you'll notice that right above you, you can typically see... The sun moving across the sky or the moon or the stars because the atmosphere is thinnest you're looking at a direct 90 degree perpendicular angle cross section of the atmosphere but as you come lower to the horizon you're looking through a lot more atmosphere your view is slicing through the atmosphere at an angle looking through more of the atmosphere so if there's particulates in the atmosphere then it will begin to dim the light or even make it to where you can't even see the light of the sun. I know around here we've had smoke up in the upper atmospheres and it would appear that the moon sets in the sky or that the sun sets in the sky. The sun doesn't touch down onto the horizon as you look out across a great open farmland or something, just a wide open space. It's because there's something up in the atmosphere. So what's up in the atmosphere? Well, it could be the smoke from all of the burning of the what we read in the first trumpet judgment. The trees were burned up and a, the grass was burned up. It's a third. We also have these celestial impacts. So maybe that kicks up some of the dust from the earth and impact throws up a lot of debris and silt up into the upper atmosphere and put to the jet stream where it starts moving around the earth and starts darkening the light, which then can lead to, again, an impact on vegetation, an impact on animals. We actually draw vitamins and sustenance directly from the sun, and now that the sun is being darkened, it can impact life. Life needs sunlight, period. It's obvious. You can't grow anything without the sun. Yeah. We have a judgment here that's very unique in nature but can still be equally impactive in the way of trying to produce vegetation to eat and we already had a third of it burned up so what's left is suffering now in its growth because it doesn't have the sunlight so as bad as that is then you have the second part of what you read here it says woe 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 to the inhabitants of the earth because the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound so as bad as these things may be and again let's not forget the first seven seal judgments it's getting worse And there's a warning that these are going to be worse. You mentioned also something interesting in your translation. It says, and I looked and I heard an eagle. In my translation of the New King James, it says angel. And this eagle, there's speculation there that it could be one of the four living creatures in heaven. One of them was an eagle. It could be that person, personality, that creature who is executing this judgment. That's a speculation, but it may fit in that regard.
0: Well, and also imagine the emotion that John is feeling at this moment. He's watching 11 at this point, if you include the seven seals. 11 judgments come out. Just one after the next, after the next, after the next. Growing in intensity to the point that firing mountains are crashing into the ocean, killing a third of the life, and stars are making the water bitter where it can't even be consumed. And then you see an angel fly overhead, and it says, the next
1: three, woe, woe, woe. And this word, woe, we see also Jesus uses this, I think it's in Matthew chapter 23, whenever he's speaking to the Pharisees, it says, woe to you brood of vipers. Right. You are whitewashed tombs, white and clean on the outside, but on the inside, rotten as bones. Woe, you brood of vipers. And it's just woe, woe. And it's a proclamation of warning because of the judgment that's coming upon them. We see the same terminology, this word woe. And he says it three times, which obviously means it's very serious. It's very intense. It's woe, W-O-E, which is the same as when Isaiah
0: saw God and he said, woe is to me for I am a man of unclean lips. It's that same fearful, recognizing something bad is coming. And you can't stop it. In Israel's case, it's I'm looking at the judge and I'm standing here guilty. And it's that same
1: feeling. It's hard for me to sit here at this time and the day that we live and for me to try to fully take on that impact. Like you're describing John from his point of view. What did he feel like? What did he experience in his soul as he's seeing this actually take place in our future? And... He's reacting to it in his spirit. It's very heavy. It's very intense. It's very scary. It makes him plead with anyone that's reading the book of Revelation, get right with Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. There is no escape. There's no escape for anyone. And in fact, and I know we should have probably mentioned this a lot sooner, but in the book of Revelation, we do have a specific blessing that is given to those who read the book of Revelation. I think we did mention it. Okay, I don't know if we did not, then I want to say it here. If we did, forgive me for repeating, but we have given by God a blessing to anyone who reads the book of Revelation. And I think it's very interesting. This is one of the only books in the Bible where you'll see a lot of controversy. You'll see it shunned. You'll see it pushed out of the pulpit. You'll see people being told in different type of teaching groups with Christianity, let's teach anything but Revelation. And the other one that you could throw in is Daniel, of course. Right. Unless you want to talk about Daniel and the lion's den and stuff like that, the fun stories. Bible school Daniel. I believe this is for a reason, because why would we as Christians not want to read the book of Revelation? This is the one and only book where we have a descriptive chronicling of Satan's defeat. And we have a very large, in comparison to any other portion in the Scripture, a very large section of the Bible that is dedicated to what it will be like for Christians in eternity, for Christ's return, for His kingdom on the earth, and for heaven, the new heavens, the new earth, which is the final two chapters of this book. So we as Christians really need to dig in on the book of Revelation in order to understand where we're heading in this grand scheme that we call time. Because there are appointed dates, and this stuff is in our future. And I know that a lot of Christians want to say, well, we win in the end, so what difference does it make? It makes a huge difference. We need to know what's going to take place so we will not be deceived ourselves, and then secondly, we can warn others and call them to repentance in Christ. Well, and I
0: know we keep hammering this, and I'm not trying to hammer it, but again, the mark of the beast is unforgivable. That's right. It's unforgivable. If you take that, even a moment of desperation, there's no forgiveness for that. That's a huge deal to a Christian.
1: Yeah, that's certain damnation.
0: Right. Because you're indirectly rejecting God and saying, in this moment for the needs I have, Satan can fulfill them. I'll join his system.
1: That's what it says to God. Right. Whether that individual takes it because they're hungry or they really don't care they think the technology is cool or they're not going to make waves here on earth because things are already bad enough. So why do I want to be a problem? It doesn't matter what the intent is. Those who take the mark, that's it. It's over. And that is key. So I didn't mean to pause or run through these judgments, but I felt like this is very important for anyone listening And again, I am not an expert on this in the way of understanding everything that I read, even in the book of Revelation. I'm trying to work through it myself and trying to understand the impact on the planet and to understand it from God's point of view, his judgment on the planet and what that means for humans. What does that mean for the souls? And so when I read this, I don't take it lightly. It's difficult to read from a standpoint that I don't want to see anyone suffer because that's sad. I don't want to see anyone go through loss, go through death, because I don't want to experience that either. I can relate with another human. I'm a human. I can relate with another human. I know what it's like to be happy or to be sad. I know what it's like to experience death in your family or to go through illnesses or to have some sort of natural disaster visit your area. And I don't want that for anyone. But I read that this is going to happen. And it's very important for us to get our heads and our hearts wrapped around God's plan. And then to begin to understand where we fit in that plan. So now moving into the last three
0: trumpets that the angel is talking about there with the fifth trumpet, I'm going to read about half of chapter nine for the fifth trumpet. So bear with me. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth Horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like women's hair. Their teeth like lions' teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and sting like scorpions and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come.
1: This is one of the most interesting judgments from my own personal standpoint about studying what it could be, um, looking at all options, and taking this passage very literally. Now, let me start with more of a symbolic interpretation that I've heard people discuss, how Lindsay is one, again, who I greatly respect, and I want to get straight to chapter... 9, verse 7 here, where it talks about what the locusts look like. And it says that the locusts look like horses prepared for battle. So there's some sort of alluding to armor. It says on their heads were crowns, something like gold. And then their faces look like men's faces. So as you're describing all of these things symbolically, the portrayal becomes maybe something like a helicopter. So as you look at a helicopter, it looks kind of like a locust. It looks like it has a tail that would sting, and there's armament all around it. And then if you look straight on the nose, you see a human face through the windshield wearing some sort of flight helmet. And then it talks about it has hair like a woman, so maybe whenever the blades are moving at a rapid pace, it looks wispy and like bristles or like long flowing hair. You know, it's moving. And then, of course, the sound, and then you have teeth like lion's teeth. And some of like these Apache helicopters will have some sort of teeth literally painted on the side. And that's symbolic interpretation of it. And the theory goes like this, that John's trying to use first-century vocabulary to describe something that was created in the 21st century. Right. And he's going to use the things that he knows from his day and from his language and from his technology, trying to describe something that hasn't even been invented yet, let alone knowing what the name of it will be. Now, that's one interpretation, and I'm not saying it's not that. I personally take it a little bit more literally. I do also. Yeah. And so let me kind of break down why, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time here so that way I can try to cover the basis as to why I think this. And this is my interpretation my theory so that's my big disclaimer on it we'll find out when it happens okay i may be wrong also so you have this abyss that is opened up and we know for a fact and we discussed it in the episode about hell we also discussed it i believe in salvation whenever jesus christ died on the cross they took his body and they put it in the tomb but his soul went down into the depths of the earth. That's what the Bible says. And it says he led the captives free and also said that he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And then we read forward in Revelation that Satan is thrown into the bottomless pit, the abyss. And then at the end, I think it's around Revelation chapter 20, Satan is loosed from the abyss for a short rebellion, a short war against the Messiah, and then he's cast out to outer darkness. So there's this discussion about this abyss this pit in multiple locations in the bible including whenever jesus came up to the demons who was possessing the man and it says our time has not come yet have you come to torment us and then they pled with jesus don't throw us into the abyss but cast us into the pigs and so jesus said let it be so and there is a location that we have according to all of those scriptures. Of This abyss in the earth, and there's talking about this location being a place of bondage or a place of holding for evil spirits and evil entities, fallen angels that the earth has never seen before. My opinion is, is at this appointed time during this darkness on the earth, these entities will be allowed to come out of the abyss and to go all over the earth and to torment people. With this physical sting. This is some sort of dimensional gateway, dimensional portal, in my opinion. I also think it's very interesting that you have Abaddon, Apollyon, which means destroyer, that is the key to releasing these beings from the pit. And And he's also their king. That's right. And I think it's also interesting because there's a tie-in to old mythology with the Romans and with the Greeks, and we talk about false gods and things of that nature. And again, this is my opinion. could be wrong. It's not a salvation issue. I understand that there's a lot of mythology from the time of the Romans and of the Greeks about their false gods, and I'm not trying to give any credence to their deity systems. What I am saying is, is that I believe— that there was demonic influence upon those cultures in those days where these people, these civilizations, were interacting with some sort of supernatural force that gave some sort of deceptive display to these people to make them and to cause them to start worshiping all of these false gods. And one of them is Apollyon, the destroyer. I also think it's very interesting, and this is a theory, okay? I'm going way out on a limb here, but I think it's a theory that some sort of construction like we have CERN, which they are trying to open up, they being these world elite scientists over in Switzerland and France, they're trying to open up these portals, these dimensional gateways, and they're trying to have something come out and something go in and kind of back and forth from the dimensional planes and this is again their aim their goal and one of the things that they have on location is kali which is the india version of the destroyer who destroys the planet so it can be remade again and there's like this cyclic evolution of destruction and then rebirth and then destruction and it's a cycle but kali that fake deity's job is to destroy. And I think it's interesting that you have this CERN, this technology, which I believe is influenced by Satan, fallen angelic technology is the way that I would like to put it, fallen angelic technology. Their mascot is the destroyer, Kali. And could this be something that would open up the portals? It's over there in the revived Roman Empire area, France and Switzerland. Could it be that this may be a device, a gateway to open up the bottomless pit to have these creatures and entities come out onto the planet. Now, this sounds super sci-fi. Okay, this sounds super wild, super mythological, total fantasy land, but if we believe the Bible literally, we cannot overlook the supernatural influence and impact. Angels are real. God is real. Jesus Christ is real. Satan is real. His fallen ones are real. And our souls, they are real. They are inside of our flesh bodies, and they are real. Whenever the flesh dies, the soul lives forever. It's just a matter of where. So this is a time of biblical proportions, literally, and I think that we are going to have demonic creatures that will be allowed to come out of the abyss, and they will go across the face of the earth, and they will be stinging people, That they would be sick for five months, they wish they could die, death flees them, they cannot die, they suffer, and there's also a mention about these entities were not allowed to sting those who had the seal of God. And in my own personal interpretation, I believe that that is referring to the 144,000 that was sealed by God to go forth and do ministry during this time. Right for the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're assuming that the rapture of the church happened before the tribulation period. Therefore, God raised up 144,000 to continue the good news, the gospel. So let me go back for a second to what you were saying to kind of reinforce this theory
0: that you're talking about of CERN possibly being the gateway that gets to the abyss. The doorway has to be somewhere. And so if you think about this, these things have to enter the planet somewhere. So... If they're coming from, like, say, hell, just in the ground, are they going to spring up out of a volcano, come up out of the ocean? If they're coming from a place in heaven, do they just fly in from outer space? Right. You know, when you think about it, you don't know where heaven is. They're in a celestial world, like we were talking about back in 4 and 5 with heaven and hell. These things are celestial. They are beyond the physical realm, more so than space. They're beyond the physical realm, ergo... They have to get to the
1: physical realm through something from somewhere. And geographically, we have the word abyss and coming out from the earth. So we know in this particular case, these fallen demonic entities will be coming from below, from out of the earth geographically. I'm not saying it's going to be CERN for sure. I'm saying it may be something like CERN. It could be CERN. It may be something like CERN, or it may be some other dimensional gateway portal that exists that we're not aware of because we're not allowed to know. And that's what the fallen ones are going to be using in order to gain access to this dimensional plane to interact with mankind on the earth during this tribulation period.
0: Right. And it could be at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, we're 90% of it's not even explored. Where else do you put something like that down in the
1: darkness where nobody can find it? Right. We would never know it. Again, that's verse 2, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And then it says, So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts come up upon the earth. So it's out of the earth, smoke is coming up, it's actually so thick that it's blocking the sunlight, and it's entering into the upper atmospheres of the earth where it's starting to spread across the globe so again more darkness on the earth this is a crazy crazy thing again compounding judgments upon judgments upon judgments still reeling and trying to recover from the previous judgments and then you have heavier ones hitting you this is a crazy time to be on the planet
0: yeah and this follows what we were previously talking about where the other trumpet has already blocked out a third of all light right So, and this is not unlike a volcano. You see a volcanic eruption a few years ago. They had one in Iceland Mm -hmm. and planes could not leave England to come to America because you couldn't get through it
1: for days. The cloud blocked out the sky over there. That's right. It went up into the upper earth's atmosphere, caught the jet stream and headed east across the Atlantic and it grounded thousands of flights for many days over there in the UK. That's absolutely correct.
0: One of my father's friends actually got stuck in England. He was on vacation when it happened, and he couldn't come
1: home. He was just stuck over there emptying his bank account. And that's just one volcano. Right. And that's not even a third of the earth. It's heavy. It's something to think about. Yeah, that's that's something especially grand. Well, that's why I like to say it's out of biblical proportions, because that's always used to describe things that are not of biblical proportions, just like you mentioned last time about the word apocalypse. Right. It must be the apocalypse because my coffee place ran out of coffee or it's closed. That's so overplayed that whenever it actually happens, you're left speechless. It's overwhelming. It's basically you're trying to observe something that's incomprehensible. Your eyes and your ears and your senses are taking in something that you just can't compute. Right. I mean, we haven't seen days like this before. I'm not saying there hasn't been terrible times on the planet. We could go through all of the different ages of empires and holocausts and plagues, and all of those were absolutely tragic disasters, and they were horrible for people to endure. Again, but this is something we have never seen before, and it will be so much more intense, because that's what Christ told us. And let me also add this back in episode seven,
0: we were talking about Armageddon. We were talking about the battle in the valley and blood up to a horse's bridle. All of these things are precursors to that battle. So that battle doesn't just happen in daylight, hanging out there like it's nothing, but look at all the things that are taking place leading up to it. Yeah. So we said in episode seven, were just going to give a brief overview. Well, now we're filling in the gaps. So I don't want people to lose the idea of, the battle that's coming, and everything that we established in that timeline, look at everything that's happening in the spaces in between that's adding to the volume and the value of Armageddon, of the return of Christ, of the greatness of the millennial reign. You have a thousand years of Christ following this.
1: Right, and the 21 judgments, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls, those 21 judgments— are not all of the judgments that do take place on the planet during the tribulation period. There are other judgments, other impacts, other things that are also taking place that are equally devastating. It's just, they're not part of the 21 judgments. Right. To throw into the grand total of what is taking place on the planet. So moving into the next, then the sixth angel blew his trumpet.
0: And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice ten thousand times 10,000 I heard their number and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them they wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur and the heads of the horses were like lions heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths by these three plagues a third of mankind was killed "...by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their heads, nor give up worshipping demons, and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities
1: or their thefts. This is called the Sixth Trumpet War. And the very key point in this judgment is very simply put, and it says this, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, let me ask you this right there. Do you think that is a third
0: of mankind's total previous to the seven year tribulation period? Or is that a third of the remaining after the previous judgments? I,
1: in my point of view, I believe that this is speaking about a third of people that are alive at this moment on the planet. So those that are remaining. So those that are remaining. Okay. I think this is compounding. I think this is moving forward off of the other judgments. A lot of people have died due to other wars, to famine, to disease, and then any other type of the natural disasters or the judgment that we saw before, you know, people in the ships or whoever else that might've been in the direct impact of something coming to the planet. So these people who are alive on the planet during this point, I believe a third of those will perish in this war. So breaking some of this down, we have the river Euphrates is bound up, and there is a dam over in Asia which is capable of shutting down the Euphrates River. They've already done it. They can turn off the river, and the ground will dry up, and armies can march across the riverbed freely without having the natural barrier of a river to cross. So that's interesting. There's a lot of studies into that about when Turkey did this, and so I don't want to go down that road, but you can look into it, the Turkish Dam and the Euphrates River. And then moving forward to this number that was given, it says there was a 200-million-man army, and we referenced this, I believe, in Episode 7, but this was a prophesying during the time that— there were about 300 million people on planet Earth in John's day. So how can you be accurate to say that there's going to be a 200 million man army to fight someone else when there's only 300 million people on the planet? That includes all people in all locations of all ages. And obviously John is seeing this from a divine point of view from God And we know that it's accurate because now we have the capability and the capacity to field a 200 million man army in today's world, China alone, China alone can do this on their own. Now I'm not saying it will be China and I'm not saying that there won't be others with China. If China's involved, my personal opinion is that it will be China and that they will probably have some sort of alliances that join in. Some people speculate that it will be China allied with maybe India or allied with the Korean Peninsula, North Korea, South Korea, something like that. There's debate about it, but they're coming geographically from the Orient, from the East, and they're moving across the Euphrates River to gain access to Israel, to that geographic location of Israel. And I believe this is going to be late in the Tribulation period. This will probably begin to set the actual table for Armageddon that they will gather at the Valley of Decision, the Valley of Judgment, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, Megiddo. So I believe this is where we start to see the final armies move into place leading up to the climactic return of Jesus Christ. Again, this is very ominous. If you take this judgment, the Sixth Trumpet War, along with I believe it's the fourth seal of the pale green horse and you take a third and you take a fourth and if you do the math in the end, you come up with 50% of people dying from where you started. That is very scary. Two judgments wipe out half of the planet's population, just two judgments. So to think about how much death will be occurring during this time, it's very tragic. It is very intense and it's hard to take in and just ignore You're going to have to process it. You're going to have to think about what does this mean? What is going on? Why is this happening? And I believe that's why a lot of churches won't touch this book is because they don't want to think of the Bible speaking in this manner. They want to think God is love and he forgives and that's where they want to dwell and they don't want to think about anything else that takes place in God's existence. But here it is. We have record of it. It's in the Holy Word. It tells us that this is going to happen. I can't stop it. And no one asked me if it can take place. I'm just reading it for myself like any other human. And I'm reading this, and it's very overwhelming. And then we read in verse 20, "...but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues and did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk." And they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Repent, repent, repent. That's what this whole thing is about. That's why this is taking place. That's why these judgments are unfolding in sequential order, with control, allowing time for people to turn from their wickedness, even during the tribulation period so that their soul would become saved. Even though things are completely crazy around them, their soul would become born again. They would have the guarantee to be in the presence of God for eternity, despite the present-day calamity during the tribulation period by repenting of sin. So God is exercising patience. He just did not come down and wipe everybody out in one move. He's allowing judgments to occur in order to get people's attention and stripping back and taking away the things that have prevented mankind from paying attention to God. And those are idols. So whether it's food or entertainment, any type of sexual sin, any type of financial sin, any type of greed, any type of gluttony, all of these things get in the way of our relationship with God that we're supposed to have. So God is stripping these things from the earth to where he's getting very personal and very impactive on mankind's soul. And unfortunately, we see that most souls will refuse to repent and very few will actually come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, we will have a great multitude that comes out of the tribulation period, but in comparison to those who reject Christ, the ratio is definitely disproportionate and most actually end up taking the mark of the beast or dying in their sins. You were talking a minute ago
0: about the 144,000 being sealed of God and how you think they would still be on the planet at that time and they would still be witnessing for the cause of Christ. And so do you feel
1: like those are the people giving the option to repent? You're speaking of the audience of the 144,000? It
0: said that the creatures from the abyss were not allowed to touch those sealed by God. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like those that were sealed by God
1: are the ones giving the invitation and preaching the cause of Christ that these people are rejecting? I believe that may be the case. If I understand your question correctly, number one, I believe, like I already said that the 144,000 will have the seal of God and they will not, just as it said, will not have the sting of these locusts and the fifth trumpet judgment at the same time, if they're witnessing to those around them and people are coming to the Lord. I think it's 50-50 whether or not those people who become born again will be impacted by this judgment, meaning they are saved, unless I'm misreading this, and this is just conjecture, but I believe it may be possible that born-again Christians during the Tribulation Age will maybe sustain a sting here. Now, I don't read how this is going to send you to hell. It's just something that is a judgment that you're participating in. You don't die. It says that death escapes you. So it's some sort of illness that everybody's enduring, having going through this point in the tribulation period of the fifth trumpet judgment, if that answers the question. So to highlight the importance of repentance, it says that they did not repent of their sin at the end of the sixth trumpet judgment. And I do believe that these people have the opportunity to be Remorseful, and then ultimately repent of their sin. They have that opportunity, but they turn it down. And this opportunity can come obviously directly by the Holy Spirit of God speaking to their hearts, or going back to the 144,000 that God called up, 12,000 each from the 12 tribes of Israel to proclaim the gospel. So where's this gospel coming from? It could come from these 144,000 or through other Christians on the planet that may not be a part of the 144,000, or just the Holy Spirit of God speaking to them. You know, there's going to be Bibles and things of this nature on the planet that— People will come across during this time of the tribulation and they will be able to read God's literature, his word, and then begin to put things together. So there's going to be some opportunities. Unfortunately, as I already said, most will not take the opportunity to repent of sin, which will be to their eternal demise. Okay, and so moving into the
0: last trumpet now, I do want to clarify for anybody who's trying to read along, in the reading, right now we're at chapter 10, and chapter 10 is about. An angel with a scroll. And then as you go from there, you get into chapter 11, which is about the two witnesses. And we're going to come back and bring clarity to those things later. For right now, we are going to jump to chapter 11, verse 15, and go straight to the seventh trumpet. Just to stay with the seven trumpet judgments. So this is 1115. This is the seventh trumpet. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders, who sit on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of
1: thunder, and earthquakes, and heavy hail. Amen to that. (laughs) So, finally, Jesus Christ comes back to the earth, right? The seventh trumpet, going to what I was saying earlier about the chronologic sequential order of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, it's very easy to place this final trumpet as the second coming of Christ. And then as you read forward in Revelation chapter 12 all the way up to Revelation chapter 19, it appears that there's still more judgment on the earth. So what's going on here? Well, a theory is is that this sequential order from the first seal all the way through the seventh seal and then continuing to the first trumpet through the seventh trumpet, that that is in chronological order throughout the tribulation period. And when you move forward going to uh, the very next chapter, chapter 12, this jumps back into time and then overlays through those first 14 judgments, like an overlaying that there's simultaneous events happening, and this seventh trumpet is in correlation with Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21, when Jesus Christ comes back to the earth, and then some other points in Revelation about Christ coming back, but to keep things in a stance where maybe you can understand. Again, the theory is that some of these judgments are overlaid. They're happening at the same time. And in this point, in Revelation chapter 11, 15 through 19, this is speaking of Jesus Christ coming back to the earth and establishing his kingdom. Well, if I can interject there, that goes back to what we were talking about originally of God exists
0: outside of time. And in eternity, it does not operate linearly. You don't have a one, two, three, progression through time, like you were talking about earlier with the movies. And so John has a linear, time-bound mind at this point, And he's witnessing heavenly things happening all around him, more or less. And he has to write them down in a way that makes sense. That could lend to what you're saying about this trumpet could be happening in chapter 19
1: at the same time as it's happening in chapter 11. And it would make sense if you look at it in this manner. If you take the full book of Revelation sequentially from chapter one to chapter 22, there are some difficulties in trying to understand how do we get to, for instance, right here, Jesus Christ is back on the planet. And then you go to the very next chapter and then there's some sort of war. And then you get into the seven bowls and then the judgment of Babylon and we're thinking, wait a minute, I thought all this was settled. We just read it, that the kingdoms now belong to Christ. And it talks about, in the time of the dead, they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And it talks about, you should destroy those who are destroying the earth. And then it says, then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and earthquakes and great hell. So... There's a lot of things that are taking place here. In my own opinion, I think that this final trumpet is correlating with the second coming of Christ. And then when we go to Revelation chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, it's kind of what I was saying in the movie situation. Meanwhile, back over here, these things were going on. Right. John can't write simultaneous events on a piece of paper for us to read simultaneously and get all the scenes and all the different locations at once. That's my opinion. It's almost like God has to hit pause, rewind. All right, come over here and watch what was
0: happening on this side. Yeah,
1: that's correct. And that's how I'm seeing it. Whenever I read it again, I could be wrong, but it just seems to fit better. I want to also pause right here to interject something about the last trumpet. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, basically there's a spot in there that talks about the rapture of the church, 50 through 52, those verses, but it says, at the last trump of God. There's speculation that this seventh trumpet is what Paul is referring to about the timing of the rapture, and that this trumpet, as we just read, and as I was saying, this correlates with Christ coming back to the earth the second time that that's whenever the rapture occurs. So that would make it a post-tribulation rapture, meaning the rapture of the church right. happens at the end, meaning the church will go through the tribulation period. And it's very uncomfortable because if we've been reading what's going to take place, and I do not want to experience that personally, nor do I want to see my family go through it and experience that themselves. So that's where that comes from. That's one of the big scriptures or thought processes that they stand on saying that the rapture of the church will happen at the end of the tribulation period because it's at the last trumpet. It's a theory. Now it kind of, it does kind of take away from the imminency, the unknown point in time when the rapture will occur, because Paul also talks about it being a mystery. If we say that it happens at the end of the tribulation period, well, once the tribulation period starts, we pretty much know when it's going to occur then, right? It's going to happen seven years later because we go back to Daniel and we read about the 70th week and we get that time frame. We also see other things counting off from the abomination of desolation, which happens in the middle of the tribulation period and it gives us different ways to measure it by days or by weeks. So if we say that the rapture will happen at the end of the tribulation period, then it does take away from the unknown when it will occur. So anyway, that's why the theory and the debate is out there. Okay, furthermore, looking at this particular judgment, at the very end it says, then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the Ark of His Covenant was seen in His temple. And I quickly think about the connection between what Moses was given by God to create the temple on the earth with all of the instruments, including the Ark of the Covenant... And then how we see in Hebrews chapter 9 that those were an earthly copies made by man's hands of the heavenly copies that are in the presence of God in the third heaven. And in this right. chapter and verse right here in Revelation chapter 11 verse 19, this is when we get to see the true ark of his covenant in heaven that we have an earthly copy of when we read about it in the first five books of the Bible. So I think that's an interesting connection there. And again, check out Hebrews chapter nine. It really explains a lot of those connections about why all these things happened in the old Testament and then how it was fulfilled in Christ for us that we can have salvation and ultimately his kingdom coming to the earth. So that's a pretty interesting fulfillment here, a completion of what God was going to do God knew from the very beginning what he was going to do. And so along the way, when Moses was on the planet with all of the situation that he was going through and having to set up the temple, all of these things was a foretelling of what's going to happen whenever Jesus Christ comes to the earth and sets up his kingdom on the planet. Well, and something else kind of interesting is the Ark of the
0: Covenant here was, it was like a reminder. It was like a, this represents your covenant with God. This goes in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, no one goes in there but the priest, and it was kind of like the
1: representation of like God's spirit almost. The Ark of the Covenant definitely represents God's direct presence on the earth before Christ.
0: Like at the Battle of Jericho, they marched with the Ark around the city as God with us. So what's interesting about it is God has one too. The Israelites had the golden box of this is our reminder, our representation of God and his promises to us. And at the same time, God has one that's, that's my promises and fulfillment of those
1: to my people. It's kind of an interesting parallel. Again, explained in Hebrews chapter nine. And that's what I like about reading the old Testament and really understanding how God dealt with sin and how he set up all of his feasts and the way that the Levitical priest had to do things, it really explains to me, at least, what Christ had to do for us and how things are in heaven, the structure, the order, the absolute no compromise of sin whatsoever, and how all of these things are so detailed. It's really mind-blowing, the full system of God. We will never fully understand and comprehend God's knowledge, his wisdom, his character, how salvation fully works, how eternity exists, how he always existed. He was never born and he'll never die. there are certain things that we'll just never be able to comprehend. Right. We'll have all of eternity to try and we will still continue to learn. And I think that's exciting. That's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. So in the scale, of, again, like we were talking about of our time frame that we established in episode seven, we
0: kind of gave a very brief timeline of the end times or of the prophetic time of the tribulation in that timeline, we left a lot of gap and we even said we're leaving a lot of gaps. So now we've filled up almost two thirds of just these judgments, just a couple of chapters of them of one book. Again, there's several books that go to prophecy and it's really adding a lot of color, especially if you look at it like this, we're reading it very slowly and very linearly. So look at If what if these trumpets are blown, Trumpet one, trumpet two, trumpet three, trumpet four. There's no break in between them. So while people are suffering for five months, the
1: next trumpets come in two simultaneously. And not to forget what we're alluding to, then overlaying the other judgments that may be in same parallel as the ones that you're describing sequentially. Boom, next, next, next. Then you have, oh, there's another series. Perhaps the bowls overlay both the seals and The trumpets, And then there's some things with the witnesses. And then there's some things with the antichrist was given power to wage war against the saints and to trod them down. And then we also have the moment of revelation chapter 12. And so there is a lot going on simultaneously and any one of these humans will be dying. Right. And we were talking about the antichrist and again, the mark of the
0: beast, but with the antichrist, him coming off as like a savior and coming off as a, I got all the answers. So if you look at it as he's the first seal that's open, he's kind of the first judgment to release. So if he comes out the door and lands on the scene, you have to have a situation to save him from. We already said that. We talked about maybe it's the rapture and the lack of people, how many people disappeared. But what if it's immediately behind him is all these judgments practically hell on earth? Just one after the next, after the next. And then he stands up, says, I have the answers. And now people flock to him. They're going to be desperate. Right. We talked about the desperation for food, the desperation for water, for peace, for money, just how everything is just going to be falling out of place. No one
1: can control it. And then he stands up and says, I've got an answer for this. Well, and I believe that the Antichrist is going to be really slick and deceptive, especially during the first half of the tribulation period. Right. When you get to the middle portion where he does the abomination of desolation, which we spoke about, then I believe that's whenever more of his true colors of wickedness will come out. And because the Jews will then reject the Antichrist at that point, they'll begin to look towards the true Messiah and saying, Yeshua came 2,000 years ago, and then they'll start to look for Jesus Christ to come back to deliver them, because remember, the Jewish people still have the book of Daniel, and there's a lot of good information in there, especially about the abomination of desolation. So whenever you look at these certain events that are taking place on the planet, the Antichrist will be ushered in as a world false savior and to go back just before the tribulation period starts, what type of calamity has taken place on the earth to force the earth into such a position to want to basically throw themselves at the feet of the Antichrist for him to lord over and take control, and we can throw in things like, you already mentioned the rapture, that could play into it. There could be global war, like World War Three. You may place other biblical events such as Damascus, Syria being destroyed, Isaiah 17, maybe Psalms 83 war, maybe the Battle of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38, 39, and some other global catastrophes that would thrust the world into panic and confusion and chaos because of global events. World War III has come, it's the apocalypse, and then boom, the Antichrist pops up on the scene as a false savior saying, hey guys, lay the guns down, time out, let's come to the table, let's talk, let's stop the madness, and then it actually works. It's actually on pause, and then the whole world marvels, so... It actually
0: hits everybody's demands at the table like no peace treaty ever has.
1: Right, absolutely. So then at that point, all of the world is, yes, this is the world leader that we need because he did provide the answer, and then you begin the judgments, and then the world will try to shelter themselves under the antichrist as these judgments are occurring on the planet and then i think again once we get to the midway point of the abomination of desolation that's where i believe that the antichrist will really show his true colors and start making it a blood sport to kill the jews to kill the christians especially and you already have people
0: who are in under and bought into his system at that point they're just gonna yes sir and
1: do what they got to do Yeah. Someone is following the orders to kill the Christians and the Jews. So that's absolutely correct. Which is not unlike the Nazis. Yeah. They believe, hey, I was just following orders. This is what is best for the country. It's going to be a very rough time, and that's totally understated, but it's going to be full of deception, full of desperation, full of judgment and death, and it's just going to be awful. But the point is, repent of sin— have Jesus Christ in your heart. If you're not born again today, I want to make an appeal right now. If you're not saved and this whole prophecy stuff may seem distant or may seem absolutely unlikely and just way out there. And you're probably listening for entertainment and mocking, or I'm not going to say you're mocking for sure, but you could be, um, or mocking some of it. Listen, one day you will die. One day I will die regardless of the whole prophetic scene And whenever you die, what will happen to your soul then? Where will you spend eternity? Eternity is waiting for all of us. And I would plead with you to please repent of sin while you still draw breath, while there's still time. Listen, you can just pray a simple prayer like this Heavenly Father, I come before you a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross for me, for taking the penalty of my sin upon yourself. And I ask for your righteousness to be applied to my soul. Wash me in your blood, Lord, and let me be filled with your Holy Spirit. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my soul. Help me to read your word and to understand your word and to obey your word. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, then you're born again. And I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God. These things are heavy, but for those of us that have Jesus Christ in our heart as our Savior and we're born again, to live as Christ and to die is gain. And there is nothing that we need to be afraid of if we're in his presence, if we are a child of his. So that's our peace. And these things are going to happen on the planet. And that's something that we cannot stop. We cannot slow down and it's an, appointed, it's an appointed time, and we may or may not be here for it in the sense of, will it be during our lifetime? Where does the rapture fall in? Again, I believe that the rapture of the church will probably be before the tribulation period, but that's my best guess, but we'll see. The main thing is, regardless of all those events, it's all about you and Jesus Christ and you being born again. So hopefully you will... Um, Pray and seek God, especially in the days that we live in. And uh, hopefully this episode has been helpful and maybe explaining some of the things that are difficult to understand or the things that we kind of want to avoid. But with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. We will continue through the judgments. Pray for us. And we definitely look forward to running through this Bible prophecy series. Thanks again.
0: One,
1: two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, you look hotter than me. Yeah, but I was a little bit more volume, strength. I love these new They're pretty cool.
0: They sound a lot better on the editing. All right, I'm actually looking forward to listening to 7 on the way to work tomorrow. I'm kind of hearing it. <laughs> uh, I am. I'm really, because I was driving home listening to 6 for like the second or third time this week. Just because I was like, man... The needed- second or third time, are these like sympathy listens? Well, no, it's just I was driving home and I was like, okay, I really want to get my head in the game. Hold on. There it is. I was like, I really want to get my head in the game for what we're doing tonight. So this was just kind of... I was like, let me just play six back. Because honestly, I thought six was a fun discussion. <laughs> I was like, this is making <laughs> me laugh.
1: But, um... That was a toughie. I liked it. I took an hour out of that episode. I noticed. <laughs> in, a, um, in a bad way or in a good way No, there's just times that I was listening Listen, look how and, loud you
0: are
1: Yeah <laughs> No,
0: there's times I was listening And Hey, turn me up if you're gonna be that loud Bro, you're over me right now
1: There That's much better You're so much louder than I am now Good Hello, world All right. Anyway, you what?
0: Anyway, so I'll be listening to it, and in my head, I'm going, I'm speaking along with it.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm like, I remember what I said. Blah blah blah. blah. Wait, where to go? Hey, hold <laughs> on, come back, rewind. Uh, yeah, I took a lot out, man. That was a lot of surgery in that one.
0: A little more microphone,
1: or a little more headphone. There was a lot of editing in that <laughs> one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're recording. All
0: right, so are we ready?
1: Yeah, so basically, you're gonna open and take off with it, and then uh, bring me in when it's time to come in.
0: Right, let me get my... We're gonna pick
1: up on uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 7. An idea. You know how much burping went on in episode 6? A lot. 7 is worse. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. It almost sounds like oh, we're doing it on purpose. At one point, I think we were. We got into a burp-off or something. No, you know what it is? Is that we eat before we come and do this. I literally ate right before you got here. That's what I always do. Right before I come over here, I just had a meal. And then when I sit down, you know, you're sitting up straight and kind of getting everything in there. and Yeah.
0: <laughs> I had a glass of Coke right before you got here and a sandwich. Like, I was sitting right here just-
1: And then, like, you're not supposed to have that in here. Like, I just finished it, set it up. Hey, I own this place. Hey, God owns this place. He will
0: bring you down. <laughs> Anyways, it's like I set my glass down, and then I was just like, oh, that felt good, blah, blah, blah. Phil walks in. Oh, <laughs> hey, can you take my dishes for me? <laughs> right. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't even bring a plate up here. I had my sandwich just sitting right here on the table. And I was like, I hope this is clean. I don't remember. Dude, that does not look clean at I, all. It looks filthy. I know. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, oh, yeah. That looks really cool on the sound waves. Uh, All right. So, okay, enough of the nonsense. Look at that. That looks cool. All right. All right, you ready? No.
1: Really? <laughs> <laughs> one last one for the road. Enough of this nonsense. <laughs> Dude, we, we cannot have a, a bunch of outtakes and nothing but burping. That's all it is. Like, I wonder what they're going to do at the end. Hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's no such thing as bloopers with all a bit of burping. Oh. I really got to burp again
0: now. Blurpers.
1: <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. I heard it. That's yeah.
0: I heard it. I'm going to go hide in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> You ready, man?
1: You ready for this? You ready for this? You ready for this? All right, you go. Jesus bless us. Help us. (laughs) We are so... Help my friend over there. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Do a little shout out to Lash. Lash. So.
0: If he were a sweater, he'd be Lashmere. Okay. You ready?
1: Yeah, I think so. Alright, go ahead.
0: I keep thinking I need to start the record button. Okay, I'm awake. Hold on. Oh, gosh.
1: Dude, we're already, like, burning time. That's okay. It's 5.44.
0: You ready? I was literally about to start speaking. (laughs) Okay,
1: dude. Ready? launch
0: I know we do this every week let me, get, let me give me a let me get my wording. let me get my words I'm trying to give you less edits everything to this point you can and it's gone <clears throat> I don't want to have like five missteps on my trip.
1: let's just um, aim for four right um
0: Okay, you ready? Yeah, man, this is on you. let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Dang it. That's not what I want to say. Hold on. (laughs) I just said welcome, not I'm thinking. I have have one. Okay, you ready? This
1: burden is yours to carry. All right, come on. You ready? Yeah. (laughs) Let's see what you got, big boy. You're going to
0: like this one. You're going to be like, dang, I should have thought of that. I can't stop Oh. Uh, all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right.
1: I need to do some research on how to jump into podcasts. No lie. I need We're to re- too new at this. I
0: don't know how these guys do a one-take Jake on it. You know, out the door. You
1: know what, uh, whatever, I was at church number one. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, I was at church number one. Uh, is that just in case it ends up in the bloopers? You're still this censoring is just the church. Just in case, church? yeah. This is just in case. Okay. I was at church number one. And, uh, I had this lady I don't know if she was like the wife of one of the elders or one of the deacons or something and she had come up to me and it'd be any time of the day it'd be afternoon or it'd be in the morning whatever and she'd always say good morning mm-hmm. and she would do it just like that every time and after a while I was thinking to myself what is wrong with this lady she's always telling me good morning every time she sees me and it's kind of freaking me out and then finally she picked up after a few times of doing this that i wasn't picking you know i wasn't getting why she was saying that and she's that's what the that's what you say to us every time you do the announcements in the morning on sunday you know uh, on sunday morning service is good morning good morning everybody i was like i didn't realize i did that so (laughs) good morning (laughs) <laughs> good morning everybody yeah well whenever we were at church number two it was welcome that, right that, that meant go sit time. down yeah that meant sit down remember that time that one dude in the youth group
0: portrayed you on a video that was hilarious and he painted sideburns on his face yeah i don't mind
1: saying that, that was Skyler. that was awesome that was kind of fun i look for that on youtube i don't even know if it's on youtube anymore that was hilarious i don't think it is he yeah. had about four of those things going yeah, because he gets on
0: there. He's like, blah, blah, blah. Well, Hold I on. Him. I can do better at this. He yeah. disappears and comes back. <laughs> painted
1: on sideburns. My sideburns. That's hilarious. Yeah, he was funny. I assume he still is. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. Sky, I, haven't,
0: I haven't seen years. Yeah. Last time I saw him, I had to be at a Junior's house.
1: Skylar, what's up, dude? If you're listening. What is he? Well, I told him to go ahead and do the announcements because I didn't want to do them. And I knew he. <laughs> because I didn't want to do. Them. It was a ministry opportunity.
0: <laughs> you can have the part I don't want.
1: Yeah. So I figured, I figured he could do him, and I knew, you know, he's super entertaining. He had several other YouTube videos that were pretty f- funny, pretty comical. So I told him, hey yeah. man, do you mind doing the? announcements for us and just we'll we'll roll the video and we can all sit back and enjoy it they were funny I enjoyed them I look forward to the. now I started looking forward to the announcements for a change
0: (laughs) car wash next week guys bake sale yeah
1: but he was so funny fundraiser 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 Uh. (laughs) all right let's do this all right
0: are you ready for this intro I'm waiting I thought about this
1: okay but you better make it work where we can use it you ready yeah
0: Hello, everybody. Let me welcome you back to episode nine. This is nine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because we have part four, part three. And I was thinking episodes. Okay, so episode nine.
1: Okay. So I got to edit all this out now too. Yeah. Let <laughs> me welcome to episode nine. I don't want us to forget as you're moving through the trumpet judgments. <laughs> feel better you good now I think so uh-huh. so as you're moving through the trumpet judgments i, hang on, I gotta quit smiling because you're like what's this guy laughing about
0: we were going so good too yeah you're i'm making going to, work for yourself
1: I'm, i know that's okay i can just do clip